Hello and welcome to the Ben Cotton Podcast, a brief encouragement for your Wednesday morning. I'm Ben Cotton and this is episode 28. So over the past couple of months uh, here in the church, Living Hope Church, where I pastor, we've had several guest speakers, I think four, four different times, um, come to our church and all of them have something in common, which is their fathers in the faith. So I think all of them are actual natural fathers, but I think of them as fathers in the faith. Um, In fact, one of them is my actual father and the other is my father-in-law. But but it was interesting to have these older men in the faith come through the church and to kind of watch the influence and the effect that they had, not just on me, but on our entire church body. Um, All of them, in their own way, reminded me of the importance of fathers in the church at large. And when I say fathers, I mean it in a broader sense. I hope that's obvious uh, than simply as someone who's had children. I think we understand that just being able to make babies doesn't make you a a father in that sense. Um, And that's, that's how I mean it is in a broader sense. I mean it in a way that describes a man that is older, wiser, has walked the faith, walked with God for a long time. And it seems to me, just my observation, that there are many fathers in the body of Christ, lots of them, but not many of them are actually fathering. If their children are grown and out of the house um, and kind of out making their own life, it seems like the, the fathers tend to kind of retire their fathering hat and put it away and take on different roles. And I think that's a real problem. Not many of them are engaged, plugged in, and active in the nurturing of those that are younger in age or younger in their stage in life and maybe younger in their walk with Jesus. And so we've we've had these men come and minister at our church over the last couple of months. The impact, at least from my perspective, has been really tangible. And, and obvious to me. I think that's because there's a, a real weight and an impact that comes when someone has really lived life uh, with all its ups and downs and its hardships and its victories and difficulties and all its lessons. And someone has walked that road for a long time. Like when that person says it's going to be okay, well, that really means something. <laughs> Because they aren't just saying that from a place of ignorance about how hard life can be, but they're saying it from a place of experience, of firsthand knowledge when they say it's going to be okay. When they say you're going to make it, right? Or don't give up, or press into God, or continue to follow Jesus, press into your relationship with Him. Um, study your Bible, um, spend time praying, like love God, obey God. When you hear these people say those things, it means something more than when a young person says it who hasn't really been through anything yet, hasn't lived long enough to know what it's like to do those things, even when it's hard to do them. It's, it's really powerful when a father in the faith, a father in your life, whether it's your actual biological father or not, tells you God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Like when that person says that, it means something more because they've been down the road a while. They've, they've journeyed ahead of you on the same road you're on. And they've said to you, hey, down the road, I've seen it. I've been there. 
and I'm telling you, you're going to make it through. That's a powerful thing. And the only way to get that is to have these fathers around willing to say that, willing to input that into your life. So it seems to me that the body of Christ, not just the church where I pastor, but I see this all across the board. Maybe there's are there are exceptions. I'm sure there are, but there's a trend I think where we are very divided among generational lines in the body of Christ. And I don't think that's unique to the church. I think that's also in our culture. But it shouldn't be. Our churches should not be a reflection of the worst parts of our culture. But it seems like in this area it tends to be. I think that comes from a variety of factors. I think there's a lot of things at play. Um, one is that when you've lived a long time and you get set in, in like in, in concrete, what you like and what you don't like, your opinions about things get solidified over time. And I think that's actually can be a good thing. But if you aren't careful, this can also make you unwilling to embrace new ideas, new directions or new expressions of old ideas. Makes you sort of, you know, it's what they call curmudgeonly. I mean, I hate to use that word because maybe that's insulting. I hope it's not. I don't mean it that way. But you, you get sort of crusty and you get sort of stuck in your ways, as they say. And in some ways, that's good because you've figured out through life's experience and time and trying different things, what works and what doesn't work. And that can, if you're not careful, make you less patient with new things and new expressions. But see, the problem with that is the Holy Spirit's always doing new things, right? He never, he doesn't stay the same. He's the same in his character and his nature, of course. But he's always pushing the church forward into new territory. So it doesn't have to be, right? It doesn't have to be true that the older generations are always behind the curve or are unwilling to change. It doesn't have to be true. You just have to be willing to stay in the step with what the Spirit is doing right now, not what He was doing yesterday. Now, that's different, by the way, from staying trendy or cool or staying in step with what the culture is doing. I don't believe in that at all. But it does mean we stay in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit's always doing new and interesting things and re-expressing old truths through new expressions. Now, on the other side of that, because I'm not just going to pick on the so-called old people, right? Uh, on the other side, youth tends to bring with it a real disdain and arrogance for how things were done yesterday. So where the older people have like, I don't trust anything new. I only know what I like, and what I like is what we did yesterday. There tends to, the opposite tends to be true about young people. They tend to say, well, I don't like what you did yesterday because I had nothing to do with that. The new thing is always better. Young people tend to think that the reinvented wheel is better than the wheel that we already have. They think the new is better and the old is stale. Like it's like in any old idea or old way of doing things, they don't think of it as tried and true. They think of it as stale and crusty and out of date which is not true. This is really an equal but opposite error from what the older generations tend to do. So put these two groups of people <laughs> into one church, and it's really no wonder that don't make you have one group of people who, who are saying, you know, don't stop changing things. Just stop changing things. Leave everything alone. Leave it well enough alone. We figured out what works, and now let's just do that forever. And they don't like it when somebody monkeys with it. And at the same time, you have another group of people saying, anything that we did yesterday is out. And we have to, we're supposed to reinvent the wheel and we have figured out what, how to do things the best way. Get out of the way. We're going to do it the right way. Just let us do it. And you end up with these crazy, I mean, I've probably all heard the stories 
about churches that try to do a contemporary worship service and a traditional worship service and try to pretend like that's not two churches in one building, when in fact you often find out the church is split over those things. And what is that? That's those two groups of people I've just described, unwilling to, unable to mix together and become one body, um, one body of Jesus, one body of Christ together. They become two. And sometimes they meet in the same building at different times, but quite often they can't even manage to do that. And I think it's a real problem. And maybe in your church, like mine is not that severe, and it's not. We don't have that severe of a division in our church, but I do recognize that those two groups tend to not mix quite often. So what has to happen, in my opinion, is that those young bucks need to learn humility and an appreciation for what has already been established in the church. And those two go together. I think if you understand history and appreciate it, it makes you more humble. And if you're humble, you're more willing to recognize and admit that what's gone before, uh, that, that other people have walked down this road that maybe some of the things you think are new ideas are not new ideas. They're actually very old ideas, and some of them are good ones, and some of them are terrible, and they've been done before, and they don't work. And we should learn from people that went before us. We should honor that, and that takes this level of humility and a willingness to kind of slow down and listen instead of always being on the run, trying and doing the new thing, constantly reinventing the wheel. We don't need more wheels. We've figured out where some of the wheels are, and we don't need to reinvent them. And that takes humility to recognize that. At the same time, the older bucks need to embrace a continual desire for adventure, for new things, for staying in step with the Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's doing now in His church, and asking that constantly pursuing and listening to and being led by the Spirit into what He's doing now, and never settling in and getting rooted in things, in, in old expressions of things that God's no longer breathing into or blessing. And if we can manage to do those two things, then those two groups of people can begin to come together and be unified. And the older ones enjoy the renewal and reinvigoration and energy of the young ones. And the young ones enjoy the wisdom and safety and encouragement and stability of the older ones. And both of us vitally, desperately need each other and need that in our lives. In my opinion, the voice of the older generation of Christians is absolutely vital in the church at large. I don't see a lot of young Churches that are predominantly young, embracing, really, truly embracing the wisdom of those that have gone before. I don't see a lot of it, but I think that voice is absolutely vital. More often than not, these older people in the faith are getting the message that they're obsolete. It's the word that I think they probably would use to describe how they often feel, is I'm obsolete. I'm being traded in for a newer model. They feel as if the new models have come along and the old ones are being discarded, and they feel this sort of unspoken message from the body of Christ that says, be quiet. We don't want to hear what you have to say. We don't want to hear from your experience. And those of us who are younger need to own that somewhat. We really do. We need to be aware of that and take ownership of that, that some of that really is our fault. Too often, in our youthful zeal, we ignore the wealth of wisdom and strength that is right in front of us in the fathers that we have, and mothers, but in my case, what's on my mind is the fathers in my life. We don't realize that we aren't really doing anything that new and different. Listen, you you may think you were the first one that thought of this thing that you're thinking about, this new idea. Oh, I've discovered the wheel. (laughs) The truth is, 
your your parents or your fathers in the faith or your grandparents in the faith had the same ideas, the same struggles, the same problems, the same human nature to overcome, the same problems and dissensions in the church, the same issues to deal with. Maybe the culture was a little different, but it wasn't that different. Things weren't that different in Jesus' day than they are now. It's not like the internet has changed human nature. It hasn't. We have the same problems we've always had. There's nothing new under the sun. And so we have to be willing to admit that, that we don't have to be novel or unique to be Christians. And so too often in our youthful zeal, we ignore that wisdom that's right in front of us. We don't realize that we're not that different and we're not that new and things aren't that different than when my father was a pastor. This road, to think of it a different way, this road that I'm on and you're on has already been traveled before multiple times. Many feet have crossed this same exact path that I'm on as a pastor and as a father. And we tend to ignore those that have traveled ahead, but we do so at our own peril. Imagine traveling a very dangerous, treacherous road, a difficult road. And there's someone who's already gone all the way down that road and they've come back to you and they've said, hey, let me tell you what's ahead. Let me prepare you for what's ahead. Imagine saying to that person, no, 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 I can do this on my own. I know what I'm doing. That would be foolish. But we often do that in the church. At the same time, I also believe that the fathers need to father even when they aren't exactly invited. Now, this is hard. I'm not saying force your way into someone's life where you aren't wanted. That's not what I mean. What I mean is make people just come out and say no to you. Make them reject you. Don't sit around waiting for some young person to come up and ask you what you think, because they're probably never going to ask you. They don't know to ask you. So when you see a young man or a couple or whatever that you know you could help or you could, you've been through what they've been through and they, you could encourage them and help them and be strength for them and stability for them, just go do it. Offer it. Like explicitly offer it. Don't, don't hint at it. Just offer. Offer your help. Offer your wisdom. Offer, offer a story or a testimony. Offer to help them. Offer to... Uh, come into their life however far they'll let you in. Don't assume that because they aren't asking, they don't want it. And don't assume that if they're not asking, they don't need it. Because you know better. Because you probably remember when you were their age. Just recently, I had one of these fathers in my life, spiritual fathers in my life, older man of the faith. He recently told me, you should, you should ask me what I think about this. <laughs> Like, go ahead, just ask me. He, he told me to ask him what he thought. And there was a kind of gentle rebuke in that, saying, you know, this is what it means to be mentored. This is what it means to be a son, to put it in that family language. And so I asked him, right? And then he told me. And I think that's a great example of what I mean when I say, you know, butt into somebody's life. If you're older in the faith and you've been around for a while, you've got something to give, but you might have to butt in a little bit. You might have to say to someone, you should ask me what I think. You should ask me for help. Um, have you ever thought about asking me for advice about how to raise your kids or whatever it is, because we don't know what we don't know. That's a very old phrase, but I love it because it's so true. We don't know what we don't know. We don't even know to ask sometimes what we don't know. So tell us, part of being a father and a mother in the faith is teaching the sons and the daughters how to be sons and daughters. 
we teach them how to respond to us. I think that's a vital thing that even if you feel like you've been put out to pasture, let me just tell you, you're not. God doesn't think you're out to pasture, and whatever God says is the truth. And so find a way to make what you have available. And if people say no, then move on to someone else. But don't, don't believe this lie that I see perpetuated over and over and over again. And quite often, like I've said multiple times in this podcast, quite often that's our fault. That's the younger people's fault. We should own that and we should repent. We should change. We should do, go out of our way to, to, to ask for these things. But sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And so would you forgive us? But in the forgiving of us or whoever it might be in your life that has kind of marginalized you or treated you as if you're obsolete, go engage again, replug in and offer what you have. I just want to say to anyone who's older than me, even by a day, right? Um, anyone farther along the road than me, that we actually really do need you. The church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. We need your voice. We need your life. We need you. Don't give up on the church. Don't retire from your call to be a father and a mother of the faith. Don't stop butting in. Don't ever retire from your post. You can retire from your career, but you can't retire from your role as a father and a mother in the body of Christ. There's no retiring from that. That is a a calling we all have for our entire lives. So I want to encourage you with that today. If you're, if you're older and if you have been made to feel obsolete, re-engage. And if you're younger, just look around your life and like look for those people that have walked down the road a little ways in front of you and engage. Just ask some questions. Invite that into your life and it will change you. Hope you're doing great. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.